Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Esther, and I'm one of the key leaders here at EBI. Uh, as you can hear, my voice is huskier than normal. Um, I have a deep voice anyway, but this last week it's got deeper and deeper. Um, so hopefully it will last um, through my talk. If not, then Stu will probably have to take over. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so maybe Stu will want you to be praying that my voice will last. Um, but today we're going to be concluding our series on Mark and we're going to be reading from uh, chapter 16. And we're going to be reading from verses 9 to 18. But I'm going to do it in two parts. So I'm going to read the first part and then we'll kind of think about that. And then I'll read the second part and uh, we'll think about that. And hopefully it will all make sense at the end. And if it doesn't, either come and chat to me at the end or take it up with God. Either or, I don't mind. Maybe my voice will have gone by the end, so I won't be able to respond to you. And um, the, the Gospel of Mark, the, this book about the life of Jesus, it's normally, it's very quick. If you've read Mark, it's, it's very action-based. We don't always get a lot of detail. So I'm going to be pulling from the accounts of Luke and John as well, just because it gives us a little bit more detail and helps us to understand a little bit more about what's going on. And uh, the Gospel of Mark is one that I do really like. And I think it reflects a little bit that it's believed that Peter, one of the disciples, was the witness who gave Mark the information. And if you've read anything about Peter, he's also very action-orientated. And sometimes I think he's a bit like me in that I open my mouth and blabber things without really thinking through what I'm saying. But before we delve in, there should be, um, we're going to look at some pictures. So there should be a picture appearing on the screen in just a minute. I think they can see the picture, but the picture doesn't want to appear. I'll just start describing the picture from what I can remember it is. Basically, we're going to see a picture of um, some superheroes. There, oh, no, the one before, spoiler alert. Um, we're gonna, there might be a picture coming up of some superheroes. If not, you're going to have to just imagine. So if any of you have seen the Marvel films, I want you to imagine Thor. There we go. So we've got um, Thor, who's got this like, wonderful red cape on and armor and a hammer. You can see in the background the incredible Hulk, who's green and muscly uh, and huge. And then we've got Captain America in his lovely blue um, suit with his red and white stripes and his shield that you can't quite see. Then Iron Man's in there too with his metallic red suit. And then uh, the other two people who I can't remember their names. But they're just in quite nondescript black suits. So really, they don't need a shout out. But I want you to just have a little think and shout out. What words come to mind when you look at the people in this picture? Just shout them out. Some are women. Woo! I'm just really bad with names, Carolyn. Really bad. Black Widow, there we go. Thank you. I have actually seen the film. It's a good film. I like it. What other words come to mind? Fictional, okay. They look prepared. Nice, what else? Good outfits. Steve, you were going to say something? Arrow. Power. Teamwork. Rescue. What else? Gifted. Children's characters for adults, yes. Ready to fight, okay. Fearless. Cool, I love all these words. These are different words that I thought about. This is great. This is why you get other people to give you the info, you see. Um, okay, we're going to now look at the next picture. 
nice boys there. In this picture, we can see a guy with a fabulous beard and beautiful long hair. Um, and then we've got other men. No women in this picture, though. She obviously got left out. But again, in rather plain clothes. So what words come to mind when you see this picture? Actors? Can hear you see. Ordinary, yes. Sorry? Kind. Friends? Happy? Surprise? Yeah? Any other words? Eco-warriors, yeah. Yeah, the slightly hippie look of uh, Chris Hemsworth there. Um, great, thank you for calling out those words. Now, I wonder if some of those words resonated um, with you. Maybe you feel a little bit ordinary. Um, or maybe you feel a bit fearless. Or maybe you feel quite fearful. However you feel, I want you to, to kind of know that God, no matter where we are, partners with all of us. Whether we feel ordinary, whether we are fearless or fearful. Whether we are with a group of people as friends or whether we're on our own. Like God wants to partner with all of us. And he wants us to believe that this is true. Now, last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated Jesus rising from the dead. And I'm just going to do a bit of a recap before we delve into the first part of the passage. So last Sunday we heard that very early in the morning, the holy women, including Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb with their spices to anoint Jesus' body. But they found the grave empty. And then they heard the angelic announcement that Jesus had risen. They fled from the tomb. They ran back to the other disciples and they stammered out their news. Peter and John, they run to the tomb themselves to see for themselves that whether uh, what the w women were telling was true. But they don't seem to hang around. However, Mary Magdalene, she goes back to the tomb. And when they went away, she stayed. She hung around rooted by her grief, or perhaps rooted by expectation. We then read, starting from verse 9, that when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, when I read these verses... What I found interesting was to notice who Jesus didn't appear to. He didn't appear to Pilate. He didn't appear to the religious leaders who had schemed against him. He didn't really, uh, appear to the masses who had followed him over that time. And he didn't appear to those who had shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Instead, he chose to appear to his friend Mary this ordinary lady who was unknown to the outside world. 
he chose to appear to his two friends, also ordinary people. And then he appeared to the 11 disciples who had spent three years with him as his friends, also ordinary people. And as I was just reflecting on these passages and and kind of what is said in it, what came to mind was, do we believe because we see or do we see because we believe? And I was thinking through who I identified with most. So we're going to start with Mary and think about what happened with her and what she might have gone through. Now Mary, this ordinary lady, had experienced firsthand Jesus' power. The passage tells us that Jesus had driven seven demons from her. Is this why she waited at the tomb? Mary lingered. Now this word means to take a long time to leave. She didn't give up. Maybe this was out of grief. Like she really couldn't believe what she was seeing. Jesus' body really wasn't in the tomb. But maybe it was out of expectation. Jesus said he would return, but where is he? Now, I mentioned that Mark writes with action. And he suggests that Mary recognized Jesus immediately when he appeared to her. But the Gospel of John tells us that it was when Jesus called Mary by her name that she recognized his voice. Mary knew Jesus' voice well enough to know that it was him calling her. And we notice as well Mary's obedience to go and tell the disciples that she, yes, she, this ordinary woman, had seen Jesus. It suggests, you know, she goes straight away. It doesn't tell us how she feels, but I wonder how she might have felt. Did she feel anxious, thinking, will they believe me? I'm Mary, who had seven demons in me. What if they think I'm crazy? What if they laugh at me and accuse me of playing a cruel trick? She was probably still in shock. I just saw Jesus. He's alive. But whatever she thought, she obeyed and she went and told the disciples. And how did they react? They thought it was nonsense. They didn't believe her. And maybe we're here today and we're thinking, I'm not sure if I would recognize Jesus' voice. So maybe we identify a bit with the two walking out in the country Maybe it takes us a little bit longer to recognize Jesus. Maybe we need a little bit more than his voice. Mark again suggests that these two recognize Jesus really quickly, despite him appearing in a different form. But Luke's account tells us that they walked together to Emmaus. Now that's about an eight mile walk. For some people here, that's just like a walk in the park. For others, eight miles really is a long time. And that's going to take a good few hours. But it took that walk. It took them inviting Jesus to stay with them. And the breaking of bread together before they recognized that Jesus was before them. The breaking of bread symbolizing Jesus' body being broken 
is what opened their eyes to Jesus being before them. Now, I found it really interesting that the passage um, that Mark highlights that Jesus appeared in a different form because he doesn't say that about um, when Mary sees Jesus. And it suggests that the resurrection had altered Jesus' appearance because initially Mary thought he was the gardener. And these two on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus either. But what I love to to reflect on and think about is that Jesus' spirit and his love had not altered. He gave his time walking with his friends, sharing with them and breaking bread with them. And again, we notice their obedience. They went and told the other disciples what they had seen. But once again, we read that the disciples did not believe them either. And maybe you're sat there thinking, well, Esther, that's all well and good, but I'm not sure I would have believed Mary or those two either. So maybe we think, oh, maybe I'm a bit like one of those 11 disciples that were sat around the table. Again, Mark being Mark is straight in with the action. Jesus appears to the 11 and he starts rebuking them. He questions their lack of faith and stubborn refusal to believe. And this word stubborn in the Greek refers to a hardness of heart. This suggests that they had hardened their hearts. But perhaps if they had kept them open, they would have been on the lookout for the resurrected Jesus. But it seems that they just couldn't quite bring themselves to accept that Jesus had risen. That what Mary and the other disciples had said was actually true. Now, thankfully, the Gospels of Luke and John do give us a little bit more information. And they explain that Jesus did appear to the disciples. He did question their lack of faith and their doubt. But they also tell us that Jesus, in his love, showed them his pierced hands and his feet. It was then that the disciples believed Despite three years of being with Jesus and him telling them numerous times that he was going to be crucified and that he would rise again, they still didn't get it. And it made me think if a friend of ours or another follower of Jesus was to tell us that they had seen Jesus, would we believe them? If Jesus were appear to us today, would we recognize him by his voice? through the sharing of a meal or by seeing his pierced hands and his feet? Or would we recognize him without these? I just want to give a couple of minutes for us to just reflect on those questions, on how we might recognize Jesus before we move on to the next bit of this passage.
Do we believe because we see? Or do we see because we believe? So I'm going to read now from verse 15 to verse 18. Jesus then said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill, and they will get well. Now it seems as Jesus was saying this command to his disciples, that he had faith in them, that Jesus has faith in us. Do we have faith in him? Now again, Mark, he suggests that Jesus has rebuked his disciples and then straight away he's telling them to go and preach the gospel to all creation, to all the world. I think it's fair to say that it might not have happened quite that quickly. The disciples would still have been in shock. They're unlikely to have been able to receive a command quite like that. I mean, it's hard to receive anyway, that kind of thing. But when you've just seen Jesus again, that's quite a big thing to take on. It's likely they would have spent more time with Jesus, had their faith deepened, especially as we've just read about their lack of faith. The other Gospels also mention that the Holy Spirit was breathed on them. That even though Jesus ascended to heaven, the Spirit of God stayed with them. The Spirit of God is still with us today. Now these words weren't just for the disciples. There's a slight spoiler alert coming. They are for us today, right now. But I want us to think a little bit about the impact of these words on the disciples. Like many of them wouldn't have left Palestine at all, which is the area that they lived in. And here they are being told to preach the gospel, the news about Jesus' life, death and resurrection to all creation, to all of the world. They haven't even been outside the area they lived in, let alone going to the whole world. I wonder if they were thinking, how, how do we do that? Where do we even start? But that's not all. Not only do they have to go and tell people things, Jesus then tells them that those who believe will in his name drive out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up snakes with their hands, drink poison, and it will not hurt them, that they can lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, I don't recommend trying uh, the picking up of snakes just to see what happens or the drinking of deadly poison just to see if you'll be fine. Um, even though I'm a bit of a risk taker, I'm not about to do that either. Although I did pick up a snake on Friday, but it was safe, it was fine. It was all in a controlled environment, so it was fine. Um, but we've just got to think, you know, like these are people that have spent three years seeing firsthand what Jesus did. They had a go at it themselves, but they are still ordinary people. They're not superheroes. They don't put on their superhero suit and go and do the stuff and then take it off. They keep their plain clothes on. 
But the disciples clearly did follow that command because the gospel is preached across most of the world. Because of their obedience, those of us who are here today who believe in Jesus had a chance to hear that gospel and to make a choice. At Ebby, our vision is to continually reproduce the life of Jesus. Imagine what would happen if we too obey Jesus' command or live out this vision. But I wonder, as people here who call ourselves followers of Jesus, like how this stuff sits with us. Does it make us squirm and feel uncomfortable? Like Esther, you're not really suggesting that this is for us today, are you? Maybe it excites us and we're like, yeah, let's go. Let's get out there and pray. Do we accept that Jesus did it, but we're not really sure that we can do this? Do we question, is this really, really what Jesus is saying for us today? There's a lot of questions. I could have asked plenty more. And then we may be sat there thinking, all right, Esther, this is all well and good. But what do we do with that tension that comes when we do believe, when we do pray in Jesus' name, but we don't see the signs and the wonders? What about those who don't actually believe in Jesus, but they do see the signs and wonders, but they still don't accept that Jesus exists? I wish I had the answer, but I don't. But what I do know And what I do believe is that it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of faith that we have. Esther shared last week on Easter Sunday that the Bible tells us that faith as small as a mustard seed means that we can speak to one mountain and tell it to move from one place to another. And mustard seeds are really, really tiny. Now for me... um, Praying for healing and not seeing it happen is one of the hardest things to get my head around. And I want to just share uh, a couple of stories uh, that are personal to me. I shared last week um, that I believe God has healed me of um, asthma. I've had asthma since I was a baby. I was rushed into hospital as a baby and uh, nearly died from it. But thankfully, the doctors and nurses uh, gave me, pumped me full of drugs and I was fine. But I have relied on inhalers for the whole of my life. And up until just over two weeks ago, I had to take an inhaler twice in the morning and twice in the evening just to help me breathe properly and do my the exercise that I do without kind of getting any symptoms. Now, I don't recommend my method right now for how I believe God has healed me. So don't do what I did. Um, But my inhaler ran out. So I ordered a prescription, went to the pharmacy, only to be told we don't have that in stock. And it's very unlikely that other pharmacies will too because there's a shortage. So you might have to wait a couple of weeks. But you can go around the other pharmacies and ask. And I was like, okay, that's weird, but okay. Um, So I went to one pharmacy to be told, no, we don't have it either. And then I thought, I don't have time to go traipsing around other pharmacies. I'm just going to pray. I'm just like, God, it's about time. I've had asthma for going on 35 years. I'm a little bit done. So if you could just take it, that'd be great. And I asked some other people to pray. And I just decided I wasn't going to try and find this inhaler or find an alternative. And since then, 
I haven't had any asthma symptoms, despite doing my normal workouts. I haven't had to take any of my spare inhalers that don't really work and are probably really out of date. So it wouldn't work anyway. And so I stand here and generally believe that God has healed me of my asthma, which is wonderful. And also saves me quite a bit of money. Um, but on the flip side, there are things that I've prayed for for years and that still exist in my body. So when I lived in Colombia, some of you will know that I had quite a bad accident which compressed the vertebrae in my neck and uh, caused, again, quite a bit of damage to my back. I also have one leg shorter than the other, so I have to wear a heel lift. Now, I've prayed for full healing for these things because I wake up most days in pain in my neck and I have to see medical professionals to get cracked and put back into place just to kind of alleviate the pain for periods of time. So I go through waves of praying with faith. Like, God, you can heal me. Like, I believe that you can take this away. I believe that you can completely right my body as it's meant to be. But nothing changes. So I get disheartened and I give up. And I think maybe this is just life as I know it. And then I'll go for another wave of praying with faith and really thinking, yes, God, you can heal this. Only for it to stay the same. But I still believe that God heals. And I do believe that the words in this passage that we've read are true. But I know that it's hard. And there's been people who've been waiting far longer than me to see healing come. But we can believe that God still heals. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the confidence that we hope for. That faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So just like Mary, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and the eleven, we too have a choice in what we believe. Because compulsory belief is not faith. Jesus has faith in us. Do we have faith in him? Now Jesus came to this world as a baby. He lived a perfect life doing no wrong. He was then crucified. He died, but he rose again so that those who choose to believe in him will be saved and have eternal life with him in heaven. And what I feel like Jesus is asking us today is will we step out and follow him and his commands? Or will we wait until we have seen his pierced hands and his feet before we believe? So I just, uh, we're going to go back to those photos. And they are side by side, good old technology. And I just want you to have a little think in your mind what words maybe come to mind. They might still be the same. For each photo, they might be different. But just have a little think. Do we believe that as ordinary people, that in the name of Jesus, we can do extraordinary things? We're going to move into a time of communion, and so there'll be a chance to respond to anything that might have come up through my talk. And as I've talked about signs and wonders, I kind of have to step out now a bit, don't I, and 
maybe do some action on this. So um, if, if anyone here would like prayer for anything, maybe you want to see Jesus for the first time. Maybe you don't feel like you've seen Jesus for a long time. Maybe you want to see some breakthrough in a situation or you want healing for yourself or for someone else, then I would love to pray with you. So I'm just going to be uh, down here on the front row. So do just come and get me.